Today on the Locked On Blues podcast, I'm going to be taking you guys on a solo episode, talking a little bit about tonight's matchup between the St. Louis Blues and Montreal Canadiens. It's going to be tough timing-wise. You know, some of you guys might be listening to this after the game has already happened, so I'm not going to try to spend too much time on that, but I'm going to be answering the question of, is this Billy Huso's net moving forward? Should the Blues trade for Ben Sherratt? And more. going to be a fun episode. Lots to cover. Make sure you stay tuned. Your Locked On Blues, your daily podcast on the St. Louis Blues. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Locked On Blues Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman, and I'm going to be taking you guys on a solo episode today. Like I said, now... It is currently about an hour and a half from Puck Drop, so this episode probably will be up on YouTube a little bit before the game starts, Um, but in terms of audio, uh, podcasts, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that, Tommy doesn't get home from work for a little bit, so this episode will probably be up if you're listening to it um, just audio-wise, you know, Apple Podcasts, like I said. You're probably listening to it after the game, so I'm only going to spend a little bit of time previewing the matchup between the Blues and Canadians because hopefully, fingers crossed, it should be a cakewalk. You know, they're the, one of the worst teams in NHL history as of right now, and the Blues are, you know, not the worst team. So, hypothetically, should be a pretty easy game. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Um, I'm also going to be going into some of the Blues trade rumors, uh, specifically regarding Ben Sherratt and then other defensemen I could see the Blues targeting. And then also, I'm going to be continuing to talk about the wonderful goalie controversy that we have in St. Louis. Um found an interesting post with some of Billy Huso's advanced stats that really just back up the incredible season that he's had. So lots to talk about today, but first, I want to thank anyone and everyone out there for making Locked On Blues your first listen because we are free and available on all podcast platforms. Now, without further ado, I guess I might as well start um, with the Blues matchup against the Montreal Canadiens because we do have a good transition there of Ben Chirot, you know, Canadiens defenseman, uh, being a trade target for the St. Louis Blues. I'm going to be talking about, you know, is his bad statistical season a result of him being on the worst team in NHL history or close to it? Um, or is he just a bad defenseman? So stay tuned for that. But first and foremost, I do want to spend some time talking about um, the game tonight because even though it should be a walk in the park, should be a cakewalk for the Blues, you know, the Montreal Canadiens have only eight wins up until this point in the regular season. Yeah, you heard me right. Eight wins. They are eight and 40 um, the worst team in NHL history finished, uh, the season, I believe it was the Washington Capitals in their first year. I believe they finished their season with like an eight and uh, 65 record. It was like 72 game season or something like that. They won eight games. The worst team in NHL history won eight games. Um, it would take a lot for the Montreal Canadiens to get there. However, they're still on pace to be one of the worst teams in NHL history. And if they lose out, they will be maybe the worst team in NHL history. But in order for them to lose out, they would need to lose to the St. Louis Blues tonight. And with the way that this Blues season has gone, with some of the tough losses that they have taken earlier in the year, oh boy, would it be a poetic justice for them to come in and lose tonight against the Montreal Canadiens, especially with, I believe, Billy Husso is the confirmed starter. What a what a conundrum that would be if, if he came in and lost to the Montreal Canadiens. This goalie controversy would get blown out of proportion even more. Um, that being said, when you're playing a team 
as bad as the Montreal Canadiens, it really just comes down to playing your game and sticking to what you know works. Don't try to get too fancy with it. You know, don't overthink it. You know, but the other thing is you can't come in expecting it to be a cakewalk because this team has eight wins. Um, they're still an NHL hockey team. You know, there are still elements that make them a successful NHL franchise. They have still found a way to win eight games this season, and they made it to a Stanley Cup final last year. Um, that's kind of where the positives end. Other than that, the Montreal Canadiens, like I said, are a historically bad team this year, but they're still going to, you know, try to put the puck in the net. They're still going to, you know, try to keep the puck out of the net. It's not just like you can show up and that's all it's going to take. So look, in order for the Blues to not become the ninth victory for the Montreal Canadiens this year, it really just comes down to, like I said, playing their game. They've been playing pretty good hockey as of late, you know, um, in games not started by Jordan Bennington. Get into that a little later. Um, came away with a 5-2, 5-2 victory over the Senators in their last game and a 5-1 victory against the Blackhawks in the game before that and a 7-4 loss against the Devils in the game before that. So they're still, you know, their offense is still doing wonders for them. Um, just really carrying them. But the defense lately has stepped up as well. Uh, I think especially in that Ottawa game uh, with the the five-on-three power play that they killed off, um, or penalty kill, I should say, uh, was really one of the strongest defensive stands of the season that I've seen from this team. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me, if the Blues come in and play well, or even, you know, average against the Montreal Canadiens, they should come away with a victory. But in order to do that, you gotta got to continue that momentum. You know, if they come out with an effort similar to that... Um, against New Jersey a few days ago or Calgary a few weeks ago, then this game could get a little ugly and we could be having a real rough episode tomorrow talking about the Blues losing to the worst team in the NHL and one of the worst teams in the past decade of hockey. So again, I said I'm not going to try to speculate too much about tonight's game because chances are by the time you're listening to it, the game is already over and I either sound like a complete idiot or exactly right. So uh, whichever case that is, you know, let me know. Uh, cause again, like I said, I'm sure by the time this episode even goes live, I'm going to be looking back at the things I said and be like, man, I'm, I'm really dumb or Hey, I, I nailed that. They, they played good fundamental hockey and they came away with a win. So who knows? Um, but yeah, make sure you like leave a comment below if you're watching this during or after the game and I said something that was spot on or whatever, let me know, you know, love interacting with you guys in the YouTube comments. That being said, uh, that is the time we have for the first segment. I said, I wasn't going to spend too much time talking about it because Again, game's already going to be over pretty much by the time a lot of you guys are listening to this. So in the second segment, I'm going to be talking about Montreal Canadiens defenseman Ben Chirot uh, and whether or not it makes sense for the Blues to go after him in trades as well as a couple other guys uh, whose names have been thrown around in trade rumors. But Ben Chirot, again, is the only one who's been linked directly to St. Louis so far. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he'll be the newest member of the Blues come the end of the trade deadline. We'll be talking about that. And more, but first, I wanted to tell you guys about our good friends over at betonline.net. Now, football might be over for this season, but basketball and hockey are in full steam for both pro and college. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your space for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts, and I'll be right back.
All right, so Blues have been linked in a lot of trade rumors this season, specifically for defensemen. Um, earlier it was Jacob Schicker, and I still think those rumors are still on the table, but it has kind of quieted down as of late, and the guy that the Blues are now most closely linked to is Montreal Canadian Canadian's defenseman Ben Sherratt. Um Let's start with the positives because, spoiler alert, this isn't going to be a uh, positive segment in terms of me talking about Ben Sherratt and the Blues potentially trading for him. Um, but that being said, he was part of a shutdown defensive pairing alongside Shea Weber that dragged the Canadians to a Stanley Cup last season. Carey Price wasn't the only thing about that Canadian team that got them to the Cup final. You know, obviously. His absence has led to the Canadians being one of the worst teams in the NHL, but he didn't do it all by himself. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens did play really, really strong defensively in that playoff run, and sort of the catalyst towards that strong defensive play was the pairing of Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt, and I kind of suspect that the reason the Blues are looking at him is because they think that him being paired with Colton Pareko could produce similar results, which the logic makes sense. You know, if, if Ben Sherratt was playing as well right now as he was playing in that playoff run, I would totally be all for it. Um, flip side of that is he is not playing as well as he was in the playoff run. Uh, now this segment is going to be sort of dedicated to trying to discern whether or not that's his poor play alone or the fact that the Montreal Canadiens are 8 and 40 right now. You know, it's kind of like the Ryan O'Reilly situation. He was like a minus 35 in Buffalo before he was traded to St. Louis, you know. He was did not have a good statistical season. I mean, he had the points, but plus minus and advanced stats weren't even that good. Um and it comes over here and, you know, racks up the trophies pretty much instantly. So, that's the argument for Ben Sherratt. Arguments against Ben Sherratt. I'm going to pull up his uh, his little stat card uh, with all those fancy stats now. I'm going to try to explain these as best as possible because I know advanced stats are kind of difficult to wrap your head around. Um, so wins above replacement. Uh, that is a stat that measures if you are an average player at your position, you are sitting at, I think it's 0%. Um, or maybe it's 50%. Either way, an average player in compare is in comparison. So a guy like, um, I don't know, Jordan Cairo this season, I believe has like a 70, 80% wins above replacement. Really good. You know, a guy like Pavel Buchnevich is up in the 90s. You know, he's in the, oh, it's, it's percentile. That's right. I'm remembering literally as I talk. See, I don't even understand advanced stats. So it's percentile. So if you are, have a 99 percent wins above replacement that means you are on the 99th percentile of players at your position uh you are better than you know 99 percent of replacement players if you were to be if you were to take again i don't have these numbers in front of me but let's say pavel buchnevich has a 91 percent war which i think he does wins above replacement war uh, i think that's around where he's at if you replaced him with 100 different players you know average players at his position he would be better than 91 of them that's the best way I can explain war. That being said, I want you to take a guess what Ben Sherratt's wins above replacement percentile is this season. I feel like Dora, Dora the Explorer right now. I'm letting you guys think for a sec. Okay, if you guessed 50% that he was better than half the players in the league, you'd be wrong. 
if you guessed 25% that he is better than 25% of replacement players in the league, you'd still be wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put this up to the, to the camera so y'all on YouTube can see it firsthand. Ben Sherratt has a 0% wins above replacement this season. Zero. Meaning he is playing pretty much as close to the worst defenseman in the NHL as he could. Uh, looking at some other advanced stats. The big one that sticks out to me, it's not even an advanced stat. Ben Sherratt has taken... 44 more minor, pe minor penalties than he has drawn since 2019, which is good for good enough for the second worst differential in the NHL. And that's just not that's not just this season. That's dating back to when the Montreal Canadiens were having success. He has taken 44 more penalties than he has drawn, second worst in the NHL. And that's a defenseman, a guy that's supposed to be a shutdown defenseman, is uh, possessing the worst penalty differential or the second worst penalty differential in the NHL over the past three seasons. That is not someone the Blues need. Um, they already have guys that, you know, frustrate me and frustrate the fan base with their penalties. Robert Bertuzzo, David Perron to an extent. Um, it can be very frustrating when guys play like that. And the fact that Ben Sherratt is, um, like I said, second worst in the league over the past three seasons mean that trend is just going to continue if and when he comes to the St. Louis Blues. Um, other things that jump off the page for me. He is a terrible penalty killer based on these advanced stats. He is in the 11th percentile of penalty killers, meaning there are, you know, 88 or 89% of the league at his position is better than him at killing penalties. He is in the 9th percentile for even strength defense, meaning 91% of players in the NHL at his position are better even strength defenders than him. He is the 3rd percentile for penalties, like I said. 97% of players in the league at his position are less volatile when it comes to taking penalties. The only thing that Ben Sherratt has going for him are his finishing, 73rd percentile, so great. He can score goals better than some defensemen, I guess. Um, and his strength of competition. It, it, this, this chart would indicate that he has had about, you know, the 75th uh, percentile for competition, meaning... He's had tougher competition than 75% of defensemen in the NHL. That doesn't justify all these other red stats jumping off the page. Um, ben Chirot is having one of the worst, if not the worst, statistical season for a defenseman since advanced stats have come to exist. I would like someone to point out to me a player that has had a worse season because zero, zero percentile war means he is literally the worst defenseman in the league at least according to this advanced stat. Now, advanced stats aren't everything. Sure, I haven't watched a ton of Canadians games this year. Maybe I'm going to get some some tweets or whatever from Canadians fans to say, no, sherratt has been our only good player, whatever, what have you. I don't want it. If I haven't made it any clear, uh, I don't want Ben Sherratt on this team for, I mean, the price that he's asking for, or the price that Montreal is asking for. The price was listed as a first-round pick and a prospect. If the St. Louis Blues give up a first-round pick for a defenseman that's having a season as poor as Ben Sherratt, I will really question Doug Armstrong and his motivations. Now, hopefully, if that does happen, I seem like an idiot. I would love, if Ben Sherratt does get traded here, I would love to be able to listen back to this episode and laugh at myself. Because... 
if my predictions come true, trading for Ben Sherratt could kind of be the nail in the coffin for the Blues this season. You know, you need your defense to get better, and bringing in a guy that is struggling as much as him could kind of sink this defense to that point where the offense can't bail them out anymore. That being said, I don't think it's quite as simple as I'm trying. I'm kind of making it out to seem. You know, if if you know if what I was saying was the true description of Ben Sherratt, no team would want within you know 500 miles of him come trade deadline. There must be something there that we're missing again. Maybe if I was watching more Canadians games and like you know taking notes on everyone's player, maybe I would see that Ben Sherratt isn't quite as bad as you would come to believe. But everything I've seen on Twitter, you know, Reddit, Facebook, even. Um, the supporters of a move for Ben Sherratt are few and far between. And I think I kind of just laid out at least my case for why I don't want the Blues to trade for him. So that being said, in the third segment, there are a few other names out there that I would love to see the Blues go after. So I'm going to be getting into that and then talking a little tiny bit about Billy Huso. Again, trying to keep the goalie controversy uh, to a minimum as of right now. You know, I don't want to create any more drama, but there are some some things that I think need to be said. So we're going to be talking about that and more in the third segment. Make sure you stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back into the third and final segment of today's episode. Now, in terms of um, players that I think the Blues could go after and should go after ahead of guys like Ben Sherratt, obviously Jacob Chikrin is a guy that's been thrown around like all year. We've talked about his name on this podcast a ton. I don't think I need to go into him today um, in terms of you know going into trade rumors about that. We've talked about that. We've exhausted that, and there really hasn't been much more developing uh, out of that, so I'm gonna leave that alone for now. Um, but one guy I do think that would look perfect in a Blues uniform and do amazing things for their defense this year is Hampus Lindholm. Now, haven't seen the Blues linked to him yet. All I know is he is planning on testing the market this off season, which could lead to the Anaheim Ducks um, shopping him. You know, at the trade deadline, meaning he would be a rental. However, if the Blues were to go after a rental, I would love for it to be Hampus Lindholm. He kind of plays like Vince Dunn um, offensively and Colton Pareko defensively. Uh, Very responsible and kind of quiet in the defensive end, similar to Pareko when he's playing well. Um, You know, not really doing anything flashy, not necessarily laying the body too much, but just right place, right time, 24-7. Uh, in the defensive end. And then offensively, he's got great instincts. He's a spectacular skater, great puck mover, pretty pretty sneaky wrist shot and slap shot as well. Um, could definitely put up some points if he were to be uh, on the Blues defensive pairings. I would love to see, I would love to see it. Um, I think the price is going to be really high, which is why I'm a little hesitant, especially if he's a rental. Uh, it'll probably turn into a bidding war. And we know that Doug Armstrong really isn't one to overpay for guys, especially when it comes to like, you know, getting into bidding war. So I think if it really comes down to like right up against the trade deadline and there are a lot of teams in the market um, and the price keeps rising and rising and rising, I would be hesitant uh, to assume that the Blues are going to, you know, continue to stay in that race. But if they do, I would love to see Hampus Lindholm in a Blues uniform. I think it would be perfect. I think Tommy and I are probably going to be talking about this more tomorrow when we record. So. I'm uh, not going to be getting too much into it today. The one last thing I wanted to talk about on today's episode is Billy Huso. Seems like he's the man of the man of the hour uh, over the last month and a half of podcasts. He has been so popular, you know, talking about in every single episode. And that's because who doesn't love a good goalie controversy for Blues fans? Um, bringing up some more of advanced stats. This one I'm going to be talking about is goals saved above expected. 
that's a pretty simple stat. Uh, they the the calculations that go into that are they look at every single shot uh, that Billy Huso were to face and say, okay, how many of those should go in on an average goaltender? How many of these chances should go in? And they come up with the statistic. If if you know Billy Huso has faced a hundred shots, uh, saved ninety of them, and ninety five of those shots were expected to go in. That's not uh, my math is wrong. Uh, cut that out, Tommy. Uh, if you're seeing on YouTube, you're you're witnessing me be a be a dummy in real time. But hopefully, Tommy cuts that out so I don't sound like too much of a too much of a fool. Let's let's try that again. Um, <laughs> I'll just read the number. If Billy Huso has allowed thirty goals, um, but has faced forty seven shots that are expected to go in, that means he has a seventeen point three goal saved above expected that makes a little more sense that that's the better way to explain it um so again yeah faces 50 shots that should go in only allows 30 goals that's a 20 goals uh above expected the leader in the nhl right now is igor shesterkin who has allowed 60 goals on 86.64 goals uh, expected goals against good enough for a 26.6 goals saved above expected following that is frederick anderson Sergei Bobrovsky, Yusei Saros, and Andre Vasilevsky. That is the top five for goals saved above expected in the NHL. Five really, really elite goaltenders. Um, three guys that probably deserve to be in the Vesna conversation this year, and then Andre Vasilevsky, who has been in the Vesna conversation for the past few years, and Yusei Saros, who, again, another guy who's crept around the Vesna conversation as of late. Uh, really, really elite talent on that list. And then coming in at number six, tied with Andre Vasilevsky, granted he has played about half the games as the rest of the guys on that list, is Vili Huso. So the numbers back it up. Yes, he might have been facing easier competition than Jordan Bennington. Yes, the team might be playing a little bit better in front of Vili Huso, but the fact of the matter is he is sixth best in the league when it comes to goal saved above expected. And the fact that he's doing it in half as many games is a testament to him because Andre Vasilevsky has 17 goals saved above expected in 38 games. Billy Huso matches that number in 17 games. So if he were to be, you know, hypothetically, obviously this isn't the case, but he's on pace to be in first by a mile if he were to play as many games as the rest of these guys. So the, the numbers don't lie. Billy Huso is having a spectacular statistical season for the St. Louis Blues, and there's a reason why he has been the starter the past few weeks for the Blues. He has earned it. The numbers back it up, and the Blues are winning when he is in net. I'm not going to try to debate Bennington versus Huso right now um, because I don't think it should be a debate. I think it's pretty simple. You know, I, I think long-term, Jordan Bennington is the starter of this team. I don't think anyone's going to argue that just yet. I don't think anyone's calling for Bennington to be traded or, you know, bashing the Blues for signing that contract. I don't think all hope is lost for Jordan Bennington. But as of right now you stick with the hot hand. And it's not like it's just a hot hand over five, 10 games. He's played in, you know, almost 20 games to this point, And the numbers have remained consistent. And he has gotten seven out of the last nine starts and continued to play well with a starter's workload. Billy Huso is the guy, plain and simple. Um, who knows if that'll be the case, you know, moving forward. Who knows if he'll be the starter day one of the playoffs. But as of right now, Billy Huso is the key to winning hockey games for the St. Louis Blues when it comes to the goaltender position. That's it, you know? No controversy, no argument. It's just it's just a fact. Billy Huso's the guy right now. Maybe he'll come out tonight and get shelled, and then Jordan Bennington will start next game and get a shutout, and then Jordan Bennington's back to the starter. 
you know, it's not set in stone for the rest of the season, but as of right now, Billy Huso is the guy. We've been saying it for weeks on this podcast. You know, I've exhausted the argument. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to push it too much longer, but the stats back it up. The wins back it up. The team play backs it up. All that and more. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to see what he can do tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. And moving forward, you know, who knows? A trade deadline and stuff should get spicy. Uh, but that being said, it is all the time we have today on the Lockdown Blues podcast. So make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and hit that notification bell. That way you'll be notified whenever we upload a new episode. Follow us on all of our socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Lockdown Blues. Follow me on Twitter at Josh Hyman NHL. Follow Tommy at TWelster15. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, let's go Blues.